Welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marchalero, and this week my guest is producer Rod Roddenberry. Rod, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on again, John. Yeah, you were on in January 2017, and it was a really cool show, and we had a lot of fun. And there's a reason why I wanted to have you back, uh, which I will reveal in a minute. Everybody, I'm sure, knows who you are, the son of Gene Roddenberry, the founder creator, visionary of Star Trek, the original series, and into Next Generation. Yeah. Um, so uh, we got lots to talk about, and uh, I wanted to uh, get to that in, in, in as we go along. But first, I wanted to uh, ask you, everybody knows you're a keen Apple enthusiast, an Apple fan, and uh, you watched the Apple event yesterday. How did you get started being such an Apple enthusiast? So it, it actually goes back to my father. Um, and the story is, is that I, I don't know if it was personally Steve Jobs, but Steve Jobs gave my, my father uh, an Apple a Macintosh, the, the first Macintosh. And um, I had been using, I can't remember, for the 286 or something. I, I don't remember. It was just for school homework and stuff like that. And that thing came in. And uh, oh, oh I, I, even a better part of that was... He, my father told me about it early on. He told me about this new computer coming out and he said a mouse. And remember we all, the word mouse is like ingrained in us and everyone knows what it is. <laughs> right. But back before there was the first mouse, when someone tells you there's a mouse, I, I said to him, that sounds, I don't know if I said that sounds dumb or lame, but it just didn't make sense. Do to you me. have to feed it? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Just, just had no idea of what it was. Anyhow. So he told me that, uh, he ended up getting the computer. And to be completely honest, the first one I used Mac, Mac Paint, Mac Draw. I played a few games on it. Um, and, uh, and that was it for the most part. Um, I, I was super young, and I really didn't have an understanding of what it meant in the realm of computers. So, um, And then after that, uh, I got an Apple, was it 2S? Oh, no, I had an Apple IIe, which was before the Mac. Mm-hmm. And to me, the computers at the time never actually registered as a similar product. I wasn't paying attention to Apple, the brand. I didn't care. I didn't know. Um, but then after the plus I had a two SI, uh, and I can't even go on after. I don't remember. I don't know if I had a quattro or one. I was, you know, I didn't upgrade that often every three or four years, whenever my parents were willing to spend the money on a new one. Cause they weren't cheap. Computers right. were many thousands of dollars and I'm not saying they're cheap today, but I feel like back then they were, well, in today's they dollars, plus. they're enormous. I mean, I remember paying uh, a developer discount for a Mac two, eighteen hundred dollars. It sold for twenty five hundred, and that's like five or seven thousand dollars today. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So um, I'd say maybe it was I was I was an Apple fan for for ages, but uh, I loved. I mean, the iPhone. I think for all of us, or many of us, is what really gave new rise, new excitement, new new uh, um, thirst and drive into the Apple ecosphere. Um, some might argue the iPod. I, the iPod was cool, but I was never that into music. It was fine. It's just the iPhone blew me away. Did the graphics user interface, the mouse and the icon and the graphic display kind of relate to or extend from the graphics displays on the Star Trek bridge on the Enterprise? Did it, that kind of sync with you? No, I, I, no. I, I did read an article or an email once or a letter from someone uh, in, I feel like it was either a space company, maybe JPL, I don't want to say for sure any one of these, where they were saying that they were uh, using 
uh, Mike and Denise Okuda's, the Okudagrams, the, the L cars, um, to help sort of design their, uh, uh, panel displays that they were doing. Ah, um, which, L cars. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, the display that's notable in Star Trek next generation, right? The sort of colorful, sci-fi uh, graphic flow uh, on the displays, my head and shoulders above the original series. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All touch sensitive. Yeah, there's some Elcars apps, I think, for the iPhone that you can buy in Elcars desktops and stuff. Yeah, that's really neat. Now, if Apple would just open up the Apple Watch so we can, so developers could make their own displays, I know that's a, that's a gripe that everyone has. Uh, their own uh, faces, watch faces. Their own faces, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a big gripe. I've heard that might be coming. It's it's honestly it, it takes too long. I I am still a huge Apple fan, but I used to be so devout before, and I think on some level for good reason. I, I know there's still a solid argument against this, but Apple was the, the the in my opinion the better OS just for ease of use and intuitive use. Um, nowadays, I think both Microsoft and Android have on their own in their own ways have come up to that ease of use level and so i will no longer have an argument with anyone saying apple is clearly the better os because right. it's the most intuitive and easy to use yeah i think um, the, the, i think the thing today is not the ease of use in the gui but it's the uh latitude that app developers have to put things in the google play store that are maybe deceptive or malevolent and it's yeah, it's the security, right? Apple's always yeah. been the, the better one at security, um, yeah. which is important. But sometimes I, I, I've learned a little bit more. I'm by no means a programmer. I'm starting to build my own PCs so that I can do VR. I am not a PC user by any mean, um, but uh, I, I, I'm starting to want to do more with my products. Want to, I, you know, I, I would jailbreak my iPhones years ago. When, oh, it I did too. To when it was easier yeah. <laughs> right. when it was easy because there were a lot more fun things to do and you know what yeah. if you kind of screwed up the os you just restart it's fine if you're if you're going into it with your eyes wide open you understand there's a risk yeah, yeah. so i don't know i kind of wish there would be two os's like an open os and a closed one you get your choice when you're setting it up the safe you one and be, the dangerous one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I would love to experiment with, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's just me. All right. Well, let's move on to the next thing I wanted to ask yep. you about. Yep. Um, we we talked last time uh, briefly about your interest in protecting the Earth's oceans and your scuba diving efforts. Tell me about how that started and, and Tell me if it's, I'm curious if it's connected to or you were inspired by Star Trek for the voyage home. It's funny, you know, I don't want to sound like a complete reject, but I mean, I didn't, you know, I watched, Next Generation was my Star Trek. You know, I'd seen some of the original, but it was still too old and I didn't care for it that much. So I, in my young teens, preteens, grew up with the Next Generation and I loved the show. But even at the time, I certainly was a slow learner, but even at the time, it didn't register. The whole Star Trek Roddenberry philosophy didn't register as this better world, people, uh, a future humanity that no longer uh, bickers among themselves, but is out exploring strange new worlds. It, it, the philosophy didn't register. I just thought it was a really interesting show. Um, it was when I got older 
and pretty much almost after my father passed away, he passed away when I was 17, that I started to sort of look outside of myself. I was a teenager. I was, I was, you know, I, I think I knew, I thought I knew what was best. I thought I was right about everything. But then I started to listen to other people and pay attention and, and look at Star Trek and then talk to fans. Mm-hmm. And in talking to the fans about how Star Trek inspired them, some incredible stories, um, people sneaking tapes over the Berlin Wall, uh, there being fans in Iraq, uh, people who had seen Star Trek, only one or two episodes, who I, fans are hard, that's a hard word to say, but admirers of the show, at a young age, gave me the perspective that, oh, wait, <laughs> and this sounds stupid to say, but they're just people like us. They don't want to be fighting. Um, I think it know, influenced the, the, my career, too. I was a young astrophysics student watching the original series, and uh, boy, I was inspired. Yeah, it's the inspiration. I mean, when people taught me about the inspiration and that view of a better world and us being better people, um, meaning no longer fearing difference and change, uh, in fact, realizing that it's the diversity in our world, that's how we grow and evolve as a species, so that was what got me excited. And of course, that's what I've been trying to do in my own little ways ever since those, those teenage years of, of sort of figuring it out. The um, Vulcan Eidic seems to pop into my mind all of a sudden. Infinite diversity. Uh, 100%. Infinite combinations. Is that right? You're 100% right. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. That, that is it. To, to truly thirst and crave things that are different and that means in star trek they weren't out searching the galaxy for weird looking aliens they were looking for new ideas they were trying to find species out there who looked at the universe in a different way because we knew as a species or as a group of species at that point that the only way we can grow beyond who we are at that time is to find new ideas and new perspectives and that applies of course in that fictional TV show, and that applies here today. Right. And it's and easy for me One way to do that is to show diversity on the bridge. We had a Russian, mm-hmm. we had a, a Japanese person, we had a Vulcan, we had a American, and what else? Am I forgetting? Uh, Uhura. Uhura, right. So, and we had yeah, the first interracial kiss on television. And we had a female uh, second in command in the cage. Number one. Number one. Yeah. Good old mom. <laughs> that was your mom. Major that Barry, was my Ron mom. Yep. 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 So Star Trek was certainly ahead of its time, and, and that philosophy is, was just as important in the late 60s as it is today. I wasn't around in the 60s, so I can't tell you, but it, it seems <laughs> important more than ever considering the leadership in our country and, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I am not, uh, I am not a fan of what we're doing right now politically. Well, let me ask you, we don't get into politics much in this show, but let yep, me yep. ask you, That's, I'll just stop there. Um, there's been a lot of emphasis since Star Trek last aired start a, a Star Trek series last year. There's been a lot of emphasis on, uh, action superheroes, maybe violence carried to too far, extremes Mm -hmm. do do you think young people have have become too obsessed with uh, with violence and gruesomeness and evil on the screen as opposed to being inspired maybe even preached to a little bit if i dare use the word or there are or in your opinion are there still people who are 
in love with the, as you described it, the philosophy of Star Trek? No, I, I think we're incredibly intelligent, resilient human beings. And with proper upbringing and, and education, and I'm not talking about STEM, I'm just saying life experience and, and worldly perspective, which not everyone has the opportunity to get, I understand. Um, we can handle violence and gruesomeness and death and understand that, understand it for what it is. Um, but then we can also see things that inspire us. Um, I, I don't think there's too much of either. Uh, I enjoy uh, a good action movie. Um, do I need to see someone's head get blown off? No. I mean, no, I don't need to see that. But am I bothered by it? No. What I am bothered by is something that, that um, uh, shows that as heroic. I mean, I, I wish our heroes, for me, the Roddenberry hero is the one who doesn't pull the trigger the one who tries to empathize and understand with the bad guy. And that's the best thing about some of the original Star Trek series episodes and Next Generation, where the answer wasn't to kill the bad guy. Or the bad the alien. Answer, or the ugly exactly. alien that was mysterious and scary. Quick, kill it. And we, yeah, I think yeah, Star Trek cured us of that. Devil in the dark. The Horda, the yeah, rock monster absolutely. that was killing the miners. It, it, that was one where you think it's a bad guy. But who is the devil in the dark? You find out that potentially the humans are because the humans were mining its eggs, its children. And of course, a mother is going to react by protecting her children violently. Right. So I, it, that always gives me chills. And I love how it turns the story around and makes us look at ourselves. I, I, that, that, for me, is true Roddenberry and true Star Trek. Absolutely. And I think a lot of superhero movies don't really focus on that. It's, they're, they're sort of gifted with something. They have it. They use it. But um, sometimes the motives are good and, and noble and sometimes maybe not so much. And yep. you have a hard yep. time figuring out your own sense of values by watching it. But I yep. don't think there's yep. ever any trouble watching a Star Trek episode and figuring out what values are being presented. Generally, no. Generally, yeah, no. And, and uh, you brought up you brought up the Avengers, or that whole franchise, the MU, I guess they call it. Um, I thought, uh, and I don't want to go too far off here, but Black Panther had an amazing opportunity at the end. I'm not criticizing. It was a great movie. But when, and forgive me, I forget the characters' names, but the, the good Panther and the bad Panther, the, the good guy and the bad guy, right at the end, there was that opportunity to to bring him over. And, and our lead character made a small attempt. He, he tried to empathize and understand but how cool would it have been to change, change the bad guy? He, he had had such a rough childhood. He'd been brought up in such a horrible way to change his perspective, forgive him, and, and bring him over. I, I love it when that happens. It takes courage um, to write a script like that, make it stick. It, it the does. Easy way, the saying, easy way out is often taken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill him, let him die. Yeah. Because the, the bad guy says, you know, I would rather die. He chose this sort of martyr scenario and I, I i just you know i prefer it the other way <laughs> well with that we've uh, come to the end of the first segment it's time for a short commercial break okay folks we'll be yeah. back in 60 seconds i'm chatting with producer rod roddenberry stay with us hello there all you fabulous background mode listeners i'm kelly gamont with the mac observer and i just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do if you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon, or Mac Mall, just go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. 
or you can just enter MacObserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and our other affiliates. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their direction. Pretty cool, right? And you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMOs, daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos, and podcasts like this one. So the next time you're thinking about an online purchase, come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with Rod Roddenberry. So you are well known as a producer. I've always wondered, I want to ask you, what does a producer do? What are the kinds of duties one does as a producer of a show? And and when there is a cast of producers, like there's executive producers and co-executive producers and regular producers, and sometimes they rake the star into being a producer to give them some, I don't know, financial incentives or something. What, What is the job of a producer and how do the jobs vary when there's a team? I've always wondered about that. Yeah, you know, I, I'd, I'd say I, I fully understand it, except I still don't. Um, it is different for TV and movies, although I think it's getting a little bit closer since, well, that world is coming together. Anyhow, um, I, I am I am an executive producer on, on some current shows. Um, producers or line producers or co-producers, they're often more directly involved um, on the production day-to-day um, what does that mean? What, what, what are the tasks or duties? I mean, what, what, uh, so a line producer in television often has to do with money and and sort of understanding the the, the financial arrangements of a show and, and how much things cost. Not solely that, but that that's been my experience with line producers. Um, and then the other producers are what you would think. General producers are what you think oversee sort of all aspects of the show, um, and and they have their hands a little bit in everything. Executive producers are on some level whatever they want to be. Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying they just I'm not saying they just choose, but their involvement can vary. So executive producers can be day to day on the show. They could be writing, they could be show running. Writing. They could just be overseeing from afar, yeah, writing exactly. Um or they could Do just you mean, be you sort mean, of on the you mean, sort of interfering with the with the script writer or improving the script or well, I mean, executive producers can be sharing. Well, executive producers could be hiring the showrunners. Um, they they could they could be involved in the casting. I mean, they often are. It depends on how much they can be involved and are allowed to be involved. Are they the ones so, who and, actually hire the the the, um, the people, or is the casting person responsible for that? Well, the casting does the main work has their pool of people and they contact them. Uh, the, the executive producers and the showrunners and everyone gets together with the casting person and say, this is the character. This is the personality of the character. This is the kind of person we need. We need them to look like this, be like this male, female, whatever it is. Can the Could, producer overrule the casting decision or is it a, joint, I mean, or is it a team? It is a team. Um, the executive producers generally, uh, together, I think, have more say, can overrule. I mean, they are ultimately the bosses, but there's also the studio that you're involved with. There's producers at the studio and executives at the studio who have a lot of power. There, there's no, uh, not necessarily one person who has ultimate power. Some shows there might be, um, but the executives have their hands, can have their hands in a bit of everything and do have say in a bit of everything. Uh, no one executive, depending on how many they are, can necessarily 
dominate and rule. It's it's a collaborative effort. You know, people speak passionately mm. about how they feel in a certain situation, whether it's casting or story, and they speak to their uh, the people they're working with and other executives. And and um, if 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 they're kind of overruled, they're overruled uh, on some level. But it really just depends. There are so many levels. There's no clear defined title for executive producer does a producer get involved in the scheduling of the sequence of the filming or videoing or is that the director's discretion on what scenes get filmed in what sequence well the whole production team the line producer the director uh, uh everyone's sort of involved the well sometimes the writers but the showrunner generally they are more intimately involved the executive producers can often just sort of well, stand back and sort of nod and approve. But again, there's no, there's no one definition. There can be an executive producer who is intimately involved in every aspect of the show. Um, it, and, and you'll find that, I think, often in television. Is it my imagination or has the list of producers proliferated? Uh, used to, when it, it seems like when I was younger, there was one producer, maybe two. And now when I right. watch a TV show, there's a cast of like eight or nine different producers. Is right. It, it's, yeah, it's become a contract negotiation on some level, um, depending on your involvement in the show, uh, whether you've contributed a tremendous amount of money, whether you're uh, a famous person who is lending your name to a show, um, whether you came up with the initial, simply the initial idea, but everyone else sort of took it from there. Um, they all asked for executive producer credit because that's a big title to have and mm. it helps you your next job i mean if you're an executive producer that's a lot better than well in terms of getting hired that's arguably a lot better than just being i don't know a co-producer or something or at least it seems that way maybe to some people what's what's happening when one of the main stars is listed as a producer like i noticed on the sci-fi series on netflix travelers eric mccormick is listed as a producer it is is that a mechanism to, to, to take the star into the fold and sort of make them a stakeholder, or is it a financial reward? What's happening when I see the star of the show as a producer? Well, the truth is I'm, I'm far from an authority on this. I have such a limited perspective in my realm of television to, to have real substantial knowledge. I don't know in that case what it is. Mm. I'm assuming that if that person got a producer, that, that actor got a producer credit, that he or she is involved as a producer. He or she contributes to the producing of the show. He or she uh, is involved creatively, not just reading lines. By virtue of their experience and expertise and talent, they make a contribution. Okay, cool. I'd say most titles are fairly well-defined in television. It's just that when you get to executive producer, that it, it's a little bit more open-ended. So Apple produced an event on March 25th um, that was all about their new services. And one yeah, of them was yeah. Apple TV Plus. And they talked about the original content that they're creating from a whole bunch of noted stars. They had some very famous people up on stage, both pro- producers like Steven Spielberg and J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, and as well as some uh, important actors and actresses. Um, like Oprah Winfrey and, and Jason Momoa and Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carroll. And uh, I wanted to ask you what your reaction to that presentation was as an Apple enthusiast and a casual viewer, maybe even as a 
hat on as a producer. How did you feel about what was your reaction to that part of the show? Well, coming at it as an Apple fan, you know, I, I, I may have mentioned, but if I haven't, I've, I've stepped back as an Apple fan, not away, not entirely, just I'm still an Apple fan. But uh, as I was saying, I used to sort of believe uh, Apple could do no wrong. And I'm not saying Apple has done wrong. I'm just saying that I, I, I'm a, there's a little bit more trepidation these days with how, how I see things with Apple. Um, my, my first impression as an Apple fan is I, I'm excited and those shows look great and I'm excited for Apple TV+. And I, I will definitely have it. I will definitely subscribe and I will definitely use it. If the question is, is Apple going to dominate and take everything over? I, I, I don't know. Um, they have such a huge user base that by, by, by simple fact of number of subscribers, they will be one of the top players for sure. Uh, but by no means would I say I think they're going to blow everything else away. Um, and, I, and I can only tell this, I can only say this based on what I saw uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at the keynote at the showing. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. I'm very curious what they're going to do. I'm very curious how it will be received. I love many aspects of it. I love that the content is downloadable. I love that now I can get on a plane and I don't have to think necessarily to download it. It'll just be on my computer. We talked um, earlier I love about the fact- the, Go ahead. No, no, no. We talked earlier it, it, about hard- the Star Trek philosophy. I'm... I'm I'm pleased that uh, Apple's having a commitment to great storytelling and to quality drama and mm-hmm. things that bring people together instead of divide them. I was pleased with the, with the tenor uh, of the of the production that is described by Zach Van Amberg and Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it liked? I forget Jeremy's I last, last name, but I was pleased with their production philosophy about what they were trying to achieve. And I think Apple instilled that in them, and I think they're bringing that to the table with the quality of the productions. Every one of those shows looks fantastic. It looks like something that would be fun to watch, and uh, would yeah. be absorbing and quality, well written. I see a lot of stuff on Netflix where I read the synopsis and I go, "No, that looks like a downer." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's all going to be good stuff. I, I am curious where content like Game of Thrones might fall something like game of thrones might fall in i don't think uh, apple is going non-violent at all but i'm, I'm curious since that game of thrones can have a good amount of gore and violence would a con- would a show like that end up on apple is that where where is apple drawing that line is my my question uh, it doesn't it's not going to affect whether i watch it or not i'm just sort of curious if they have drawn a line in the sand in terms of that kind of content because i love game of thrones and there's plenty of beheading and, and gruesomeness and all of that stuff there. I must admit, um, I've never seen it, so I can't talk to it. Oh, okay. But well, uh, you bring up an interesting point, and that is when, when an individual has power and authority, how they manifest that, the judgment that yeah. they use and the exploitation of their power is entertaining and educational at the same time. Sure. Well, Game of Thrones is not educational. It's not necessarily supposed to be inspiring. It is good mm. versus evil. It's Maybe a story. It's it. a roller coaster. <laughs> well, right. So it's it's an awesome, well done, well acted, well performed, well thought out story that is so much fun to watch. But I don't come away from it learning something necessarily, or or feeling inspired or hopeful about anything. Right. And not right. all television has to do that. 
Well, that's um, true. I prefer that's, some of it to. That's true. I suppose that you can't have all of it be that way, but um, it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds with Apple as they go forward yep. through the years and find out what the customers like and what the customers don't like and how that affects their decisions about what kinds of shows that they, the new shows that they create in the future and the character of those new shows. That'll be interesting yeah. to watch evolve. No, you're absolutely right. When they, right before they put on Oprah, they had some, some words come on the screen and they, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here cause I can't remember it all, but, uh, you know, the voice that gave optimism and inspiration. And, and when I was reading that, I was, I was like, wow, wait a second. This would have been perfect if this was Star Trek, if after that it was something about Star Trek, some huge mm-hmm. partner, partnership with Star Trek. Only because for over 50 years, Star Trek hasn't been just science fiction. It has been about inspiring. It has been about uh, making people hopeful for the future and taking nothing away from Oprah. She's amazing, and, and they got the right person for sure. I just thought it would have been cool if Star Trek and Apple had had a partnership and, you know, this presentation was something about the next Star Trek series that was going to, you know, continue to inspire generations and unite people. You know, I, I was just, well, one of the, one of the, that would have been, been great. One of the services you'll be able to subscribe to in the Apple TV is CBS All Access. And that's the way yep. you'll be able yep. to get Star Trek season, Discovery season one and two. Yeah. Sure. I'm certainly not saying I wanted Apple to take Star Trek away from CBS. I just thought a partnership with CBS slash Star Trek would have been really interesting there. Well, maybe uh, they'll come up with a new science fiction series that is bathed in the legacy yeah. and the quality of Star Trek and move on. There's always opportunities for new things like that, right? Absolutely. I, I truly hope they do. Um, I absolutely hope they do. We need we need more inspiration. As much as I say Game of Thrones is a great show, um, I, I do think we need more inspiration, especially oh, yeah. right now. I agree. When, I, when I'm looking for something to watch, I'm looking for stuff that's fun and inspiring instead of uh, depressing. And it's yeah. all too yeah. easy to find depressing content on TV, on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, and Hulu, and whatnot. You have to really dig if you're looking for something that's fun and inspiring. Inspiring and makes you think. Um, there, yeah. There's, you know, Star Trek does a great job of that. It's, it's a little darker these days, but it still has an inspiring message. It still has optimism in there. Um, Orville is something that I love and watch because it's, it, it, it harkens back to the days of Next Generation. And you know, the last episode they just had was was a great one. You know, one where the character falls in love with with a well, I don't want to give it away, but a hologram. Um, and has true feelings and, and the idea of what is the difference? What, you know, why should, why is that a, a wrong thing? You know, what is AI technology going to be like in the future? I love shows that make, that, that make us really think and sort of question these things that we might not be thinking about right now, but that will be relevant soon enough. That's right. Absolutely. Especially AI. Have you heard anything mm-hmm. about the series with Patrick Stewart? Uh, yes, um, nothing that I can say, sadly. Uh, uh, but uh, I've gotten the, the 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 download on what the the first episode and, and season's going to be about. Any idea and, when it might uh, appear? Or I don't think I. Even if I did, I don't think I can say that. It's oh, okay. that's that's something that's closely guided uh, guarded by uh, CBS and and 
Mm. Only the right people give out bad information. It, it might have been released, but I, I, I certainly don't want to be the one to accidentally say anything. And I, and these dates are not solid, you know? Things change sometimes. Um, I just so, thought of another question. So sure. what was the last Star Trek series and the Deep Space Nine of Voyager? What was the last two? Oh, and then we had Enterprise with, with the Scott. Then we had Dr. Enterprise, yep. When, yep. And Scott Enterprise was what, like 2002? 2004? It ended in 2005, yeah. And okay. They had four seasons ending in 2005. There was a long gap. And uh, I must gap. admit I'm not in, uh, intimately familiar with these details, but I'll just throw out the question. It seemed to me like Star Trek had come to a close and everything had been done and there was this long gap. And it took years for uh, Star Trek Discovery to come back on. Uh, do, do you attribute anything to that, that long gap? I think uh, Hollywood and studio politics on some level. I mean, in the sense of uh, um, there was a split between uh, Paramount and CBS where, where Paramount got uh, Star Trek movies and CBS got television. And the fact that these two different agencies were, were different and, and did not necessarily have uh, strong communication, um, uh, that, that I think made things a little tenuous and, and uncertain. And yeah, um, then JJ came along yeah, and made the movies. I think, I don't know this, I think, and I would assume CBS said something like, well, let's see how these movies do before we jump all in. And uh, considering the movies did fairly well, I know we all have our gripes on some level, but um, I assume they sort of said, okay, the waters seem kind of clear, we could do this. Um, but I don't, no one ever told me that. So. Okay, I was curious. All right, well, almost out of time. Uh, I just had another question I wanted to ask you about. You have a foundation the Roddenberry Foundation with the Roddenberry Prize. And um, I wanted to ask you about that. Tell me more. What are you trying to achieve there? So in a nutshell, we're still a fairly young foundation, although we did start in 2010. So we've got some years on us. We're, we're, we're small in the sense that we've got uh, uh, four board members, uh, a CEO, um, and, and just a few other uh, people who actually do all the hard work. Um, it, it was based on the Star Trek uh, philosophy idea that that we're working towards the long-term advancement and betterment of our species. We weren't looking for – we started as an organization who – we would contribute money to other organizations. That's sort of what a foundation traditionally has done in the past. You find an institution in science, medicine, whatever the case is, and you believe in what they're doing, and so you, you make a donation. You contribute to them. And we started that way, and we still do a bit of that. Um, uh, for example, we've, we've given uh, contributions to the Gladstone Institute in San Francisco because they've been pioneering a lot of things in stem cell uh, biology. Um, and there are a lot of institutions doing a lot in stem cell biology, but we, we, we happen to really like what this group is doing in particular. Do you support the um, SETI one, organization in Mountain View? Search we for do not. Um, intelligence? No, we do not. But you might go to that to think Roddenberry is doing that. We're not against that, but that is a hard one. Hmm. I'm going to think about this before I say it. That is a hard one to fit in the, the model of working towards the long-term advancement of our species. Finding alien life would most certainly advance our species on some level, uh, our own perception of ourselves. Uh, but we have not considered that as an organization to contribute to. Or I'll um, react to it. I had Jill Tarter on the show. She's the former director of the SETI Institute. And Dr. Tartar was uh, 
still not nailed down completely in my recollection of the show. I'd have to go back and listen to it about how we would react to a visit or a communication. It's, it's sort of uh, nobody really knows how to pin down a formal kind of protocol or reaction to a visit or communications from uh, extraterrestrial life. So well, that's, uh, yeah. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's think, always the first contact issue. Yeah. Well, the movie Contact uh, with Jodie Foster, I think, did it. Was Jodie Foster? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did a great job of that, I think. And I love the book. Um, yeah, that was a great movie. Um, but as far as the foundation goes, we, we have evolved a bit. We brought on a, a, an amazing CEO named Lior Ip who's had a lot of foundation experience with other uh, groups out there. And we sort of told him that we, we don't want to be like the traditional foundation and we want to do different things. And of course we were inspired by the X prize foundation and their prizes. Um, they have been a huge inspiration to what I've always wanted to do with the foundation. Um, and we did, uh, uh, we worked with them on some prizes that they were doing. Um, and then we developed a prize of our own. And uh, we've we've done that one year, and that the have we done that one year or two years now? Oh my goodness, we've done that two years now. God. Anyhow, um, and it was a, a million dollar prize given out to the first year. It's better to go to the website, but the first year was a broad thing. Anyone with an amazing idea that will advance our species species should submit that idea. Um, of course, they had to fill out an application. They had to submit their idea and uh, fill out a document that really explained it. We had a panel of judges that had nothing to do with any of the board members or us because we wanted to be uh, we didn't want any biases involved and once these judges knew the criteria to look for uh they they found uh i think four finalists for the first year and the second year we did it uh, more of an environmental one and i'm moving fast now because i know we're coming up to the end of the our time mm -hmm. uh, it was a little bit of an environmental thing having to do with a, a um a document out there called project drawdown a campaign a group out there and they've figured out what are the things we could do most, what, what are the things that we could do right now that would have the most positive impact on our environment? And the top four were something like women's education, uh, uh, wind energy, uh, refrigeration, and forgive me, I don't remember the, the other one. Um, but they were all incredibly surprising based on these results. And so we looked for people out there who had scalable, realistic long-term solution potential long-term solutions to these and and they won prizes as well i'm so sorry i don't know what happened all right rod well i think we're out of time we're going to have to leave it at that uh, thank you much well, thank for you, being on the show it was a pleasure it's always fun to have you on and hear your uh, expert insights thanks for joining me thank you so much john far from an expert but i appreciate you humoring me and keeping me on the show i appreciate it all right folks we're Glad you joined us. I, I hope you enjoyed uh, my chat with Rod Roddenberry. You've been listening to the Mac Observer's background mode. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, everyone. Mm -hmm.